Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, Lottie Dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing this evening? I am doing well, James. How about yourself? Uh, Not too bad. Kind of... uh... I guess waiting for the other shoe to drop, uh, more transactions from the Padres. I think, like every other Padre fan, we're just kind of refreshing Twitter over and over and over and over again, waiting for something to happen. But uh, there were some moves today, and Patrick and I are going to get into it a little bit since local talk radio is inept and cannot even hold the conversation as far as Padre baseball. So this is our attempt to kind of keep you up to date on what's going on uh, with the team. Patrick, you want to get into it uh, and let everyone know the two transactions that were uh, completed this morning. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard Dan Celia wanted us to trade uh, Solarte for Eric Hosmer. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's where that comment came from because, uh, man, um, it's, wow. How are you so it's bad just, at your job? Yeah. Like, I not, mean, to be, not to be rude, but I mean, that's pretty sad. Well, I mean, the Padres are the are the major sports team in San Diego, and you cannot, you can't tell me that you can't even know what's going on. I mean, uh, it's just you know we're over it. I, I, uh, it just uh, exemplifies uh, what's wrong with San Diego sports right now and how it needs to be fixed. Yeah, man, it's just incompetence. But what do you what can you expect? Yeah. yeah. So uh, this morning we had a we had a trade. Some news went down. Uh, the Padres acquired a. Chase Headley and Brian Mitchell Yay. from the New York Yankees in return for uh, Jabari Blosh. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, when the news first came down, kind of thought, oh, it must be another fake account, you know, making a joke. Yeah. But, yep, it's it's not a joke. Chase Headley is a, is a San Diego Padre once more. Um, I know how we all have pretty strong feelings about Chase and uh, his time here in San Diego and kind of how, how things went at the end there. But, yeah, he's back, and... Uh, you know, I'm okay with it. I mean, he's making $13 million in 2018. He'll be a free agent after that. Um, Jabari Blash is pretty much about as much of a quad A player as you could possibly have. So, for me, it's like he got an asset. I mean, Headley's an asset. I know people think, like, oh, he's he's old, he's washed up, whatever. But, I mean, he's only 33. Uh, $13 million is a pretty manageable contract for one year. Um, he was an above-average hitter last year. Uh, defense definitely took a step back last year. He's he's always been known for strong defense. Um, that took a little bit of a step back last year, but his offensive numbers were were pretty much in line with what he's been the last uh, three or four years. Even arguably better than he was the last three years of the game. I mean, it was arguably his best season in New York in terms of offense. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it remains to be seen kind of how he fits in here. We still have Slarte Spangenberg, kind of a log jam at third. Christian Villanueva is obviously there. Carlos Suárez is 
uh, in the mix at second base. So there's a lot of options here. So I would not be surprised if Headley is moved, or if not Headley, one of the other guys that I mentioned. There's definitely going to have to be some follow-up here. Um, as for Jabari Blash, I'm really not sad to see him go. Um, I've made my feelings about him pretty clear over the, the last year or so. Um, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mitchell, somewhat interesting. He's 26, not really much of a prospect. He was drafted in 2009. Um, began as a starter. He actually started uh, 13 games last year in AAA for the Yankees. Um, pretty solid number. 325 ERA, 2.18 FIP. Um, let's see, strikeout rate was 25%, only a 5% walk rate. Um, obviously in the big leagues he didn't have the same success. He pitched uh, mostly out of the bullpen for New York. I think he made one start last year. He made 19 appearances in relief. Um, strikeout rate was closer to 10%. Walk rate was about 8%. So not, not the same numbers. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, FIP was the 4.2 ERA, just shy of 6. So Definitely was not the same pitcher in New York that he was uh, in Scranton. That's uh, AAA for the Yankees. So I'm kind of curious to see how he adjusts to being in the National League. I think that'll help the guy. Um, it's, it's never easy playing in the American League, especially the American League East. I mean, there's a lot of big offensive teams in there. you got the Yankees, obviously, Red Sox, Orioles, uh, Blue Jays, all, all good offensive teams. So I'm curious to see how he'll adjust to um, the National League. I'm sure he'll get a chance to start, I think, AJ Pro has already been clear that that's going to be the uh, the first path is getting him a chance to start and kind of going from there and seeing what happens. Um, he is out of options, so he will have to be on the 25-man roster. I think that's another reason the Yankees were comfortable releasing him. I shouldn't say releasing him, trading him, because it was likely they were going to have to release him because not sure he was going to find a spot on the roster next year, at least the 25-man roster, given these out of options. So... He probably will break camp with the Padres unless he really doesn't show much in spring training, and we'll see what he got. I mean, it's a it's a yeah. it's basically a thirteen million dollar uh, lottery ticket. Which, if you're a rebuilding team, that's kind of the move you have to make. Um, we've seen similar deals with James Shields, Melvin Upton, uh, a few other guys. So, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I I, I know a lot of people were immediately upset. Uh, I saw a lot of people. <laughs> immediately, immediately calling for Jake Peavy and uh, Chase, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I can't even think. Kristen Norfia calling for just random old Padres names to be brought up to this roster. And it's not like that with this addition with Headley. You know, hey, you, I'm, you said it yourself. I'm on board the Jake Peavy train, though. I'll just throw that I, out there. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Peavy for a, a nostalgic point of view, but, you know, he's not going to. I just I don't want to see him out there and be Jared Weaver 2.0 though at the same point because that would be really disheartening for for Padre fans. Um, you know, but as far as Headley's concerned, he, he still does have value. I feel I really do feel that he still does have value. I mean, he had a, a what a, a 7.58 OPS last year in, in a season where you know he only hit 12 home runs. Uh, people look at those numbers and say you know he had a down year, but he was getting on base at a I think a 3.50 clip. You know, there's there's positives to his game, and and then you talk about veteran type leadership. I mean, everyone wants to talk about Eric Hosmer and throwing two hundred million dollars at him. Uh, you know, Headley can provide that in, in the same regard, and actually at a, a smaller sample size. You know, thirteen million dollars for next year is not a huge investment. And who's to say that he's even going to be on this team come April? Because I've already heard whispers about 
possibly shipping him. And I think Preller even made a comment to that, uh, saying that he was going to be quite honest with Chase Headley and that they were still fl- uh, exploring further options. So, you know, immediately, Chicken Little, the sky's falling, everybody starts screaming and crying. But Jabari Blast wasn't going to make this team. Uh, Headley gives us a little more credibility, uh, someone that they could possibly move or package with somebody later on down the line, if not in the next week or so. So just be patient. Everyone wants to know what Preller is up to, but there's, there's, there's a method to his madness and he's not going to let, let that be known. I mean, he's going to keep his cards close to his vest and he's going to make deals that he feel, he feels are are appropriate for his team and and for the future. So we're just going to have to hang tight. And let, let me remind all of you that the Padres are not going to compete in 2018. They are not going to compete. Repeat this. Repeat this to yourself. They are not going to compete next year. So why is what is all this talk about wasting money? You know, it's about the future. And if Chase Headley gets 250, 300 at bats and puts up productive numbers, come July maybe he has some trade value and can can fetch a prospect down the line. So then we're talking about turning Jabari Blash into two or three controllable players and having to pay half of his 13 million dollar salary so you know just relax people just relax i I know we're all recovering from the otani hangover but just just relax uh there was another move move made today uh ryan schimpf was freed which was something i had been wondering and and, you know he wasn't going to get any playing time here and out of common consideration for the player i was wondering why the team hadn't found a spot for him or just dfa'd him so uh, he was traded to Tampa Bay uh, this morning, uh, right after the Headley deal, uh, and the Padres obtained a young shortstop named Dion Tansel. Uh, Tansel is a God, what is he? A thirty-second round draft pick? Yeah, Patrick, thirty-second <laughs> round draft pick uh, in 2016 out of University of Toledo. Um, the numbers are the numbers are pretty impressive, but he, he's 23, and those numbers are in rookie ball and in low A ball. So. You have to take a grain of salt with what his value is, but to get anything for Shimp at this point is 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 monumental. So I mean, we'll, the word on him is that he's a defensive-minded shortstop with a decent bat. So we'll just have to see what comes of that. Uh, I commend AJ Preller for you know moving Shimp and, and allowing him to further his baseball career because he wasn't going to get an opportunity here in San Diego. Yeah, I think Shimp was done, and rather than just release him outright, they've they've got a some prospect for him. I mean. Who knows what Tansel's yeah. going to be long term, but I mean, it's it's more depth. You can never have too many prospects, especially kind of lottery ticket sort of guys that maybe they work out, maybe they don't. But it's really a a, a low a low low risk uh, proposition. And I exactly. mean, when you acquired Headley and um, Mitchell, you need you needed two forty man roster spots. So Blash obviously was one, and Shimp is now the other. So the yep, yep. roster is back up to forty. Um, let's play a little game first before we move on. Uh, I'm going to give you three numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are WRC plus for three different players. And I want you to tell me which one's which. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the three names. Chase Headley, Jan Harris Salarte, and Corey Spangenberg. So I have one of them is 94, one of them is 93, and one of them is 104. So which one's which? Well, I would have to say the 104 would be Headley since we've already kind of yep. discussed Headley this. Yep, Headley is 104. Yep, so he has Slarte outperformed. 93, Spangenberg 94. So as much as people say, oh, Headley sucks, he's washed up. I mean, 
as sad as it is, he was better than Solarte and Spangenberg, at least in that one metric last year. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Those guys showed some pop that maybe maybe Headley's uh, power's been sapped a little bit and his defense has kind of taken a step back. But, I mean, neither Spangenberg or Solarte is really known for stellar defense anyway. So, I mean, arguably it's an upgrade if you have a Headley at third. But, realistically, I don't see him... I don't see him making it to opening day. I, I think he's probably going to get traded. Um, at least two of those three, I think, are going to get traded. There's no way that, all, there's no way all three stick around, and I, I'd really be surprised if um, e- even two of the three stick around. So I think Headley's probably the prime candidate to get traded, whether they eat half the salary and, and buy prospects from a team or eat the whole mm-hmm. salary. And I mean, the Angels are a team looking for uh, infield help. There's a couple other teams around baseball that have inquired about uh, corner help. So I think uh-huh. I think Solarte, Headley, and Spanberg, they're all definitely on the block, and I think at least two of them get traded. I think Aswahe is a guy who's – I think he's earned enough uh, leash to get some time at second base, and if he's at second yeah. base, you can't have three guys at third base. So it's yeah. going to be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how that shakes out. But, I mean, there's three left-handed bats there, and as much as we talk about well, – I should say four left-handed bats. As much as we talk about, oh, the Potters have no left-handed bats. So, I mean, a yeah. couple of those guys are switch hitters, obviously, but – it definitely helps to have at least one left-handed bat in the lineup. <laughs> exactly, Which exactly. Kind of, I guess that kind of segues us a little bit into uh, Eric Hosmer. Nice. Uh, if, if we the want. Hosmer rumors. <laughs> the, the, the Kool-Aid has been drunk by a couple of members of the EVT staff. A couple? Uh, I think, it seems like everybody. Well, yeah, well, when the rumors first started, we have a group chat, and, and we all converse and, and interact with each other. Uh, there's about 30 of us in that group chat. And I would say about two or three were on board the Hosmer train initially. And now we're about 10, 10 I would say, if not more. And it, it seems to be contagious. I think a lot of people are, are just frustrated and anxious and, and just want this team to have superstars and want them to compete. And, and I, I can admire that and I can understand that. But I'm worried about the long-term with this this team, I, I'm worried about year five, year six, year seven, even year eight, if that's even in the the deal with him, and and if that's going to be crippling to to a franchise that frankly can't can't eat salary like that. We're we're not the New York Yankees, we're not the Los Angeles Dodgers, we're not the Chicago Cubs. We cannot eat contract. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to be beneficial. So I, I like Eric Hosmer. I see where people are going with this. I see how he fits for the team in two, three years down the road when we're ready to compete. But the long run really, really scares me on this. And I I refuse to drink that uh, Hosmer punch and Kool-Aid. I'm definitely staying away from that. You want to play another fun game? Yeah, go for it. So let's think about, think about all the worst contracts in baseball. Just, just for Mm -hmm. a minute, just, any contracts that come to mind as, as just bad contracts? Jordan Zimmerman, I said that was bad right off the bat. I don't know how anybody right, gave him anyone so else money. Come to, anyone else come to mind? Homer Bailey, but although he's back this year, I don't, I don't know. Okay, who else? There's a... The, uh, Sinsu Chu. Okay, here's where I was going with this. Think about how many first basemen sign large contracts. Just Are we going Votto here or what? Think, just think about some names. We got Miguel Cabrera. Votto, well, Votto, I've, I've heard people consider Votto a bad contract considering okay. it's so much money, but I mean. Votto, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Go. Prince Fielder. Oh, Fielder, I forgot about Joe that. Joe Maurer to an extent. He's now first yes. person. 
Um, I mean, I could go on. You got you obviously see Adrian. Adrian last Chris year. Davis. Chris hey, Davis. How many, those, a... how many of those guys have any value at the end of their contract? Exactly. I mean, look so, at Chris. I mean, da- what did Chris Davis sign for last year? He signed for seven years, one hundred and sixty-one million. Okay, that is about what Cosmer's asking. And I mean, that, that in a fair, they had fair, Davis, Davis is thirty, and he's kind of, kind of a, a one-trick pony in a way with the power. I mean, Hosmer's yeah. definitely a more talented player, but look but at how Albert, long did it take Albert for Poulos the Orioles to regret that? I yeah. mean, how long? How many months? How many weeks did it take for them to go? What the hell did we? I do? mean, the moment he signed, I said it was stupid. <laughs> well, like, I think the majority of baseball did. It's, it's and like it's mind-boggling. At, you look at Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols; those are two of the best players in baseball history, but. At the end of the day, and see, I can signings... I can justify paying them because of their history, because of who they are. But when you give a, a Chris Davis a, a one trick pony, like you say, that type of money, it's it's bad business for the rest of baseball. It's it sets a precedence that that we're at right now. And it, it at what point are, are we just going to throw up our arms and just be like, this is ridiculous? When can owners start opting out of contracts like players can? That's my question. And I mean, to be fair, all these guys were signed later in their careers; they were a little older, but. At the same time, you look at Hosmer, and if, if he's going to get a seven-year deal, that's going to take him to, what, his age 35 season or through his age 34 season? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, name name me some first basemen that have not tailed off by the time they hit 31, 32. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a pretty commonly accepted trope that first basemen decline rather quickly. Those skills that make a good first baseman kind of power – solid defense, those things are the first to go, and if you don't have a great hit tool to kind of make up for that, like a guy like Tony Gwynn, he always had a good hit tool, no matter how slow he got in the end of his career, he was always a great hitter, and that, same with a guy like Barry Bonds, I mean, as much as you want to talk about steroids, at the end of the day, he was a great hitter, he had great hand-eye coordination, and those are things you can't teach, and a guy like Hosmer, he's just had such a spotty track record that I don't know if he is a solid hitter. I mean, last year was the first year. Yeah, exactly. It was a since, career year last year. I mean, his, he had a career only year. Only second year. year that he hit over 300. I mean, yeah. And you look at his BABIP, it was up over 350, which is 50 points higher than it was the previous year. And I mean, how much of that yeah. is really sustainable? Um, yes. He's obviously a big ground ball guy. His ground ball rate was pretty similar to what it was the last year. Uh, his line drives went up a little bit. But at the end of the day, I mean, he was pretty much a similar player in terms of. Batted ball profile, home runs. Um, his contact was pretty similar. He actually made less hard contact last year than the year before. So, <coughs> excuse me. I think a lot of his success was that that Babbitt ran a little high, and I'm not sure that's something you can sustain. I mean, whether it's infield hits or the ball falling in the right place, that's not something you can really bank on. Uh, for a guy who's 28, I mean, yeah, he'll probably be he'll probably be a solid above average player the next maybe three or four years. I mean, if it was a four-year contract for $80 million, sign me up. Yeah, exactly. Deal any day. Exactly. But at, at seven years, $180 million, or seven no. years, $160 million, I'm just not seeing the value there. I mean, yeah. the first four years, there's going to be value, but the Padres are not a team that can afford to take a sunk cost for three or four years. And I think that no. a first baseman is, is one position that's all, almost always ends up being a sunk cost. And if... If you if you're so content with signing a first baseman, you're so intent on doing that. I don't see why Carl Santana is a worse option. I mean, he's a guy. Yeah. That's, sure, he's a little older, but at the same time, he's had a a longer track record, <laughs> a more consistent track record, and I think he's a guy who could provide more value in the short term. And sure, he's not a guy that you maybe 
he's not a guy you sign long term. He might not be a part of the next great Padres team, but over the next few years, I mean, he, I think he'd be a valuable commodity and a guy who, yeah, with that on base percentage, it's more, it's more consistent. I mean, the guy's had an on base percentage above three fifty in every single year of his career, seven years yeah. straight. Sorry, eight years straight, he's been above three fifty in on base percentage. His WRC plus has been over one fifteen in every year except one. And every we're talking about Santana, right? Yeah, every other year yeah. he's been above one twenty. I mean, look at Hosmer; it's like one year well, he's and, solid, and one year he's not. One year he's solid, one year he's not. Look at look at their total numbers. Their total numbers. You know, I wrote a piece on this uh, a couple, three, four, five days ago. But their total numbers of at bats and games are almost uh, identical. Like, like exactly. Let me see. Uh, Hosmer's had thirty nine hundred and ninety one at bats. Uh, Santana's had thirty nine hundred ninety four at bats, so three less at bats. War totals are are higher for Santana. <laughs> Home run totals, OPS, OPS plus, slugging percentage, on base percentage, defensive in WAR over the last four years since Santana's been at first are are almost comparable as well. Where Hosmer just has a slight advantage. So it's you know if Hosmer's a sexy pick, I, I get that. But if you want value and you're looking for someone to give you value and not cripple you, then Santana's an obvious choice. And I, I'm, I'm happy that I've slowly seen the Padres link to him. And I think that they're, they're going to lean towards that as a, as a way better option than, than Eric Hosmer and breaking the bank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd like – I would like Santana on like a three- or four-year deal. 60, 70 million. I think that'd be fine. I mean, that yeah. takes that takes He's him old. through his age thirty five season. But I think exactly. his <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> his profile offensively, I think is one that's going to age a little more gracefully. I mean, he's got the on base percentage. He's got a great eye at the plate. His strikeout rates have never been higher than twenty. I mean, he's pretty consistently kept his walk yeah. rate in thirteen, fourteen, fifteen percent range. So I think that's just a better skill set. Hosmer's very. Hit and miss, as you can see with his career. I mean, one year he's good, one year he's bad. His defense has been. Everyone talks about how he's such a great defender, but you look at his defensive numbers, and they're just pretty atrocious. I mean, yeah, outside of maybe Will Myers, he's pro- arguably one of the worst defenders in baseball at first base. So, for all this talk of oh, he passes the eye test, I mean, the numbers just don't really back that up. And um, to me, I think Santana's just a, just makes more sense as a as a cheaper option, a more safe option, and a guy that can kind of help you not only during these next two rebuilding years, but I think if you sign him for a four-year deal, he'll be there for two years of competing. And if you're really so intent on moving Will Myers to the outfield, then I just think this that would make more sense than it would to have Hosmer <coughs> take that place. Yeah, no, um, I, I hear you. And, yeah, I understand where Padre fans want the Hosmer and, and want... I mean, they the want, the, they want the big ticket item. They want the the left handed bat, but at the same time, I mean, Santana's a left handed bat, and he's yeah, still, switch he's still, a, I mean, he's still he, a, a good ticket item. I mean, he's not like a he's not like a big a big deal, I guess you could say. But I mean, for the price, I think it's more fair to to sign a guy like that. And yeah, exactly. And and we're worried about the long term because we are a small market team. Eventually, all these young kids, these Quantros, these uh, Tatises, these Urias, these these uh, Gores, they're going to make the major leagues. We're going to want to probably extend them at some point and do cost uh, effective extensions that are that are feasible for the team. And, and at that point, you don't want to be restricted by having to pay a, a guy who's 
uh, uh, just a burden at first base, and, and you're paying $25 million for for the next three, four years. And good luck trying to deal with that. You know, it's just it's just not the time, uh, you know. And I can just see it now. As soon as, uh, you know, a Santana's picked up instead of a Hosmer, all of Padres Twitter is just going to be all upset saying, you know, we're getting second fiddle and why can't we have the nice things and this and that. And it's about being smart. Again, this team is not going to win next season. They're probably not going to win in 2019. Fernando Tatis is 18 years old, 19 years old. You expect him to come up here at 2021 and lead us to a World Series? I mean, come on. We're talking about reality here, people. It's going to take time. 2021, 2022, that's when this team is really going to be focused on really competing and really becoming a a relevant franchise. And and, uh, until then, it's about structuring the team in the right direction, in the right way. And it's just just frustrating. I I understand that because I've been here for the long run, as have most of you. Um, It's just we're going to have to exercise some patience. There's still positive things to to look at and focus on, on this young team. So, you know, we're just going to have to, again, be patient. I know I know that's not a, a virtue for most Padre fans. All right, so before we get out of here, let's talk about the last kind of, I guess, rumor rumor news is Padre's looking for a shortstop. Um, obviously, Zach Cozart's a name that's been mentioned here and there in terms of free agents. Uh, Freddie Galvis has apparently been talked about in trade. Um, there's been reports that Potters are looking at up to nine different names in terms of guys they could either sign as a free agent or acquire via trade. I think it was John Heyman, I believe, that mentioned... Was it John Heyman or Jeff Passan? One of the two mentioned uh, the Cubs as a possible match for the oh, Potters. Oh, Passan with, with Yahoo Sports, yeah, yeah. so mentioned the Cubs as a possible... Um, apparently the Potters looking for potentially a young, controllable uh, middle infielder, and the Cubs were mentioned as a possibility by Jeff Passan. So that's kind of intriguing to me. Um, Obviously, at that point, the Potters would have to be giving up more in terms of prospect talent. Um, Yeah. I guess I'll I'll throw this question to you. If if it came to, say we're talking to the Cubs and Addison Russell's on the table, I mean, would would you give up Brad Hand and say... I don't know, Joey Lucchese or Jacob Nix or Cal Quantrill, one of those guys, would you wow. give would you give them up with Brad Hand and maybe another piece if it meant getting Addison Russell, who I believe is still under control for at least three seasons, I want to say? Uh-huh. I'm going to double-check uh-huh. that right now. But, yeah, I believe Russell's under control at least three seasons, possibly four. So is that a move you would make? Is that, a, is that something you consider the Potters actually entertaining? Uh, I'm actually writing writing something on that uh, as we speak. That should be up uh, in a couple hours, or if not this morning. Um, oh, it's, so Russell has it, Russell has four years of arbitration, so he's not a free agent until after 2021. Yeah, and in, in you know, I, I I'm at the point where I'm wrestling between: Do I want Javi Baez at shortstop potentially, or do I want Addison Russell, or do the Cubs have a preference? I like Russell, but I'm a little <laughs> concerned with the bat on, on him. He, he's still very young, though. You know, it, it's it, your question was dealing Brad Hand along with a couple of prospect um, for something like that for a young, controllable shortstop, and, and you know, I'd really, I would probably not do that at this point. Um, I see Tatis, I see Urias. 
I see even Gabriel Arias as shortstops, potential shortstops of the future. And I think that we've already passed that point where the team should be looking for someone as a long-term option at short. I mean, if we're talking 2015 and, and the end of that, then sure. But, but I saw a tweet today that uh, I forget who I saw it from, but uh, general managers are indicating that the Padres are weighing over the options of throwing out a, maybe one or two of their top prospects in order to get uh, a deal done. They didn't really specify with whom or, or, or what about or which prospects, but we do have a lot of pitching prospects at the AA level, a lot of young arms that, you know, let's face it, they're not all going to be successful. So I don't know if there's some self-evaluation between the team and determining who they'd be willing to move. Uh, you brought up Lucchese. You know, his value is, is arguably not going to get any higher as a prospect than it is right now. Do you flip him when his value is high, or do you have confidence that he's going to be able to excel at AAA and be a successful major league pitcher? That's the questions that the baseball operations team get paid for. That's the type of stuff that they need to, to know and stuff that they need to understand. And, you know, the Cubs and Padres have matched up in a while in trade, but I, I don't know, man. I, I'd, I'd really be hesitant to, to to move some of those young pitchers for, for a, a Russell or a Baez. Um, do you have a preference between the two of them? Uh, I don't want either. You don't want – okay. <laughs> there if, we go. If, the, if that's the price, I wouldn't make the move simply because yeah. – I mean, I've, I've said this in the past. I think that there needs to be another gear of kind of um, – evaluating assets before you start making these kind of moves. I mean, exactly. I think you really need to know exactly. you need to know how many pitchers you have. Like who mm-hmm. who are going to be the guys in the rotation? I mean, is it going to be Quantrill, Lucchese, Lauer? Is it going to be Nicks as well? Like what, what are, which of those guys are going to work out? Which of those guys can you trade to other teams for controllable assets? I mean, you're going to have to start coming to these decisions and I think that uh, yeah. next, Another year next of evaluation. Yeah, I think of next them is, off season yeah. is a better time for that. I mean, if, if Lucchese and Lauer, for example, come up at the end of this year and do well, then maybe those guys are trade pieces, or maybe those guys are ones you want to keep for the long term. Same with Quantrill. Same with Nicks. Same with mm-hmm. De Los Santos. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you got Baez and Avila and Gore kind of start moving through the system, kind of same thing there. Morahone as well. How many of these guys are going to work out for you? And who's going to end up elsewhere? Because you're not going to be able to have a starting pitching staff of 10 guys. So some of these guys are going to flame out. And it's going to be a matter of do you trade them before they flame out? Or do you allow them to flame out and then you get nothing of value for them? So you're going to have to make these decisions. It's always it's always a, a tough battle to kind of decide who's going to be the guy and who's going to be the guy you should trade. Kind of who you can get the most value for. Who you think maybe won't work out in the big league. So you're going to get rid of them before that happens. Um, mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely a fine line to walk, and I'm not sure now is the time to be walking that line. I think there needs to be one more year of development for these guys, and you kind of really know who's knocking on the door, who's already in the big leagues, kind of who's making their impact, and kind of go from there and make better decisions long term. I mean, I think next offseason there's more in terms of free agents on the market. I think that, that that's a better time to really start evaluating. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to signing Carl Santana and Zach Coza right now and having these guys for the next three or four years. I'm totally fine with that. Combine those two guys, I think if they're, if they're $100 million for those two guys combined over the next, say, four years, I'm all on board for that. I mean, that's only $25 mm-hmm. million a year for two guys. Yeah. The payroll's, the payroll's uh, sub-30 million 
I think. Yeah, it's going to have to be spent and on something. And then next year, it's going to be the same thing. The year after that, still. I mean, the only contracts yeah. we have on the books are Will Myers and Clayton Richard. Everything else yeah. is arbitration, um, guys on rookie contracts. So at this point, if you want to spend money, that's totally fine. I mean, they're eating. They're basically eating money for Chase Headley, which is totally fine by me because they're not spending any money. This is Ron Fowler's money to burn. I mean, we shouldn't be upset about him spending a little money this year. I mean, you look how much yeah. money they spend on the international market. We all love that. But I think at the same time, if you're spending money now, it's not like that's necessarily taking away money later. Any money they save now, I know people think that that's how it works. Like, if they save money now, they're going to spend it later. That's not always yeah. the case. <laughs> Owners don't operate in that way. So any savings don't necessarily... I mean, it's all profit right now because they're spending so little on the team. So don't just think, oh, yeah, they're going to save that money and use it later. That's not really how it works. So I'd rather them just spend the money now and whether that drives traffic to the stadium or whether these guys are trade pieces, whatever, that's irrelevant. I mean, the money doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. If, you're, if your payroll's $30 million, you can afford to up it to 60 and you're still going to lose probably 90 games. <clears throat> I mean, even if you sign Cozart <clears throat> and Santana, I still think you lose 90 games or yeah, maybe, maybe 85 it... games. Maybe you can kind of make a slight improvement and get closer to that. I mean, Ron Fowler wants 81 wins, so... Yeah, I don't know why his goal is to be average. It's just... I mean, that gets you closer to that point. I don't know what the point of that would be, but... No, I mean, I I want to see progression, but to go out and straight up say that you want to be a 500 team is is just... I mean, we've already gone into that. It's just... It is what it is. But, you know, as far as this Cubs-Padre talk, uh, you know, it just... It it makes sense to some... to, To some extent, but... At the same time, if the Padres are going to deal Brad Hand, they're going to want prospects in return. They're not going to want a, a Baez or, or a Russell, even though that kind of fits the need a little bit. They're going to want uh, prospects. They're going to want a, a package of them. And if they're going to have to deal Hand plus pro- their own prospects in order to gain them, it, it's just it it just doesn't make sense. So um, you know, I saw Passant Passant's tweet, and it, you know, it, it from the Cubs point of view it makes sense you know they have russell and Baez. they can move one of them to short they can pick up a second baseman anywhere and they can acquire brad hand and and solidify their bullpen and plus maybe acquire a, a, a you know young pitcher or whatever it makes total sense for the cubs but as far as the padres point of view it, it doesn't make sense so um you know what other kind of shortstop potentials are there out there as far as trade interest uh i think the a's with uh, marcus simeon is is a possibility uh, anybody else off the top of your head that is that the Padres could possibly be having a little bit of dialogue with any any team in particular as far as shortstop's concerned? I mean, I, I'm sure the Marlins would love to get rid of Stalin Castro, who they just acquired. Yeah, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's that's um, true. What? How how many years is is Castro under contract? I believe is one. He... Or, I believe one or two. Okay, so it's not too burdensome. Yeah. I, actually, I think this is the last year, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's got two years. This year's, I think, okay. ten million. Next year's eleven, and he's got a sixteen million dollar option. Well, you you package him with uh, your left-handed hitting center fielder, left fielder, and you got a deal. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what all. I think all of Major League Baseball is waiting for that. I, the Marlins situation is interesting. I know they're pushing Osuna on everyone at this point. Uh, I've heard a lot of insiders speculating that Yellick is is going to be dealt as well because he's clearly upset and, and nobody wants to be the only legit player against it with a bunch of young kids. So a lot of teams are hitting up the Marlins and they're asking them, are, are you dealing Yellich too? I mean, are you going in this particular order? So 
I, you know, I'd love Osuna as 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 much as Yelich, but I think that Yelich fits the the what we're trying to create here. So I, I'd keep an eye on that. We'll have to see where the Marlins go. Uh, if you're going to deal a Joey Lucchesi or uh, uh, Quantrill or anything yeah, I of think, value, I think, I think Yelich would the, be the guy I would want to go. Yes, after. exactly. Then then that's that makes sense because that's someone who's going to be here for five years. Someone who's just starting to come into his own as far as a major leaguer. We haven't seen the best from this young man, so that's definitely worth investing into uh, and losing some prospects. But Addison Russell, Javi Baez, they just don't do it for me at this point. All right. So before we get out of here, let's do a little uh, let's do a little over under, a little uh, betting between you and I here. Okay. Um, so first question. Uh, over under Padres make two more trades before the end of the winter meetings. Hmm. Well, I'll have to take the the safe side, the under. Although I'm still expecting them to make room on the forty man roster. I really thought they would. I still see Rocky Gale out there as a possible DFA in the next day or two. But it's still, you know, maybe they can package these middle middle relievers or these middle infielders with a reliever or an outfielder and, and clear some space for the for the Rule Five draft, which I, I thought they would uh, they would have some interest in. So, but I am going to have to say under just to be safe because uh, a lot of these trade talks kind of start off in the winter meetings. They don't necessarily happen uh, during the winter meetings. All right. Well, for what it's worth, I'm taking the over. Okay. Um, okay, next question. Um, over under two of those group of third basemen I mentioned before get traded, so that would be Headley, Salarte, Spangenberg. What do you think? Two of them. I could see that because I still think Villanueva is a decent option at third as well, so they could move two of them and start the youth movement. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see two of them moving. I think Aswahi is probably going to end up staying because I don't think anyone's going to give him, give the Padres the value that uh, they see in him. I'm going to take the the push, so I say I say two get moved. Okay. Um. Last one. Um. So. Over or under one Rule Five draft pick. Yeah, it's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be either a push or an under at this point. I don't see them being able to clear spot for two picks at this point. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really starting to get scared about Franmil Reyes. I, I, I see him tweeting out that he's working out and that he's lifting and that he's uh, taking BP. God, I, I, I hope we don't lose him. That, that, that would be, that would be bad for the future of the team. Uh, although he would have to stick with the team for, for the whole year, but he's got that type of plus power. That's, that's intriguing. So kind of a, a point off of that. How many, how many players do you think the Padres lose in the rule five draft? Uh, I, I would hope zero, but I, I think that Reyes will be picked by someone. I think that that's, that's my gut feeling. Um, I don't know. I, I would have to. I would think one. I, I don't know. There, there aren't really too many. Preller did a pretty good job of, of protecting his his arms. So we'll have to see. I don't know if people have any interest in a, in a Yimmy Brazabon or, or anyone like that. But we'll have to see. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't see them losing anybody. I, I'd be surprised. I think if Reyes got picked because because I of the injury, I just don't see a team holding him for a whole year on their roster. I just don't see him as the kind of guy you make that. I mean, most of the time, Rule Five picks are relief pitchers or kind of sort of guys utility that, type players. Yeah, yeah, guys like fourth outfielders that are fast or play good. Defense. Exactly. And Reyes doesn't have that. I mean, yeah, he's a power bat, but. How how well is that power going to play in the big leagues when he's never played above double A? So and obviously yeah. coming off the injury doesn't help situation. All right, last few questions before we get out of here. Uh, okay. Do you think Brad Hand gets traded before uh, Thursday, or I should say before the end of the day Thursday? No, I, I would say no. Um, I'm just gonna say no because I'm. I'm just just a gut feeling. I, I I would think that we would hear we would see a little more smoke uh, if the Padres weren't entertaining offers for him at this point. Um, everything that I've heard from AJ Preller seems to indicate that they're focusing on trading for pitching and possibly talking to teams about inter- uh, teams interested in our middle relief, our middle infielders, uh, as well as our outfielders. I heard him mention outfielders uh, as far as trade interest from other teams. So uh, I haven't heard much as far as hand. I, I don't know if they're content with keeping him at this point. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. And last question do you see the Potters making a free agent acquisition over the next two days? Um, I mean, whether that's Hosmer, Cozart, Santana, you pick. I would say no because we're going to be the team that kind of just swoops in at the last second and, and, and it'll take an undervalued player. And I think that at this point that's not until a January or a, even an early February, uh, I think that's when the Padres will start to scoop in and, and pick up uh, undervalued talent, players that are looking for jobs and that are willing to take a little bit less than what they're valued at. Um, I, I don't see Hosmer. I, I think Boris is going to play this out for as long as he can. And ultimately, Hosmer's going to get top dollar. Scott Boris gets top dollar for his clients every single time, unless he's instructed elsewhere. I, I just don't see how we here at San Diego can woo Eric Hosmer enough for him to take uh, a reasonable contract. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. Um, I'm going to go on a limb and say I think Brad Hand does get traded in a, in a mini blockbuster, and okay. I would not be surprised if either Zach Cozart or one of those first basemen is a San Diego Padre before the end of the week. Nice, nice. Right. Well, it, it's definitely hot stove season. Yep, it's it's the time, man. It's been it's been a busy day, and uh, hopefully tomorrow we'll uh, pick up some more steam as well. Yep, it should be. Uh, I think we are good to go. We did the pretty good uh, coverage of the uh, winter meetings. Uh, Patrick, go ahead and take us out. And I think uh, I think tomorrow should be another active day. I, I, I'm starting to get that uh, that vibe from uh, from Padre Land. Yeah, hoping for uh, some uh, some crazy stuff tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, we are uh, posted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, um, Google Play Store. Anywhere you find your podcast, we'll be there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at EVT Podcast. Give us feedback, any ideas you have to make the show better. Um, James is EVT underscore News, EBT underscore J Clark. Uh, I'm Patrick Brew ninety three, and uh, this is the East Village Times podcast signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. 
Padres EBT Podcast.